0: on today's show.
1: And so I think if if you mom and dad, if you will see this is such an honorable, fantastic opportunity for your son or daughter to not only have an adventure, but to have a, a very divine and holy mission that they're going across the ocean, they're going next door, even if they're not goers across the ocean, maybe they're a church planner in another state. They have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. So what we do in our lives is we focus so much on ourselves and our lives and our emotions when we really should be looking towards God and his gloriousness.
0: Stay tuned. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show where we answer your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I am your host, and you're not used to hearing my voice starting this show out because my co-host, Alex Kochman, is out. I guess he's doing some going and uh, some thinking himself today. And so I'm here today talking about a really important topic. As many of you know, I'm a parent. I just became a grandparent. And there's something about becoming a grandparent for the first time that makes you think differently about your kids. Suddenly, uh, my kids, my daughter and her husband living in Kansas uh, feel very far away and I wish they were closer. And it reminds me of what a lot of our families are going through when they send their children to the field and the struggles that they have as they're sending them out, as well as uh, just the process, even even thinking that as your kids are growing up, hey, you want them to serve the Lord, but also that that cost of not being able to be with them anytime you want them to be there with you. And so today we're going to have a special guest. We're going to talk about these topics. But first, I just want to remind you just to do some housekeeping. If you like our show, if you listen regularly, please do us a favor. I know it's easy to just forget to do this, but it really helps out the show get to more people. It pushes it higher up on the search engines. If you go to the show and go to your your listening app of choice and just give us a five star review, give us a little blurb comment about how the show is blessed you that really helps us get the show out in front of other people. If you're watching it via YouTube, or even if you don't watch it via YouTube, go to the YouTube channel at ABWE and just go ahead and subscribe. That also helps in those exact same things. If the show is a special blessing to you, obviously there's a lot of costs. Uh, Connected to the show, you can go to slash support, and there's options for you to give and help support the ministry of ABWE's podcast and how this helps get uh, information to important people around the world, helping them to do the ministry more effectively. I'm excited to welcome a special guest today an author, a blogger, a uh, founder of a ministry named Tori Haverkamp. She's the founder of Parents of Goers Ministries. Uh, You can check out her blog at her website. She also has a podcast on the topic covering a lot of important missions topics, and now she's the author of a new book, Missionary Mama Survival Guide. I like the title, even though I'm not a mama, it makes me want to read it. Tori, welcome to our show. It's good to have you here.
1: Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here.
0: You're coming to us from Ames, Iowa, and you're in Ames, Iowa. Why?
1: I am in Ames, Iowa because I went to Iowa State University. I met my husband at Iowa State University, and we never left.
0: (laughs) He never left. Well, let, tell us a little bit about this this ministry. I know we've talked about ministries to parents before, but we've never talked particularly about your ministry. Yeah. What led you starting a Parents of Goers ministry?
1: Yeah. So when my son left to go abroad, um, he had been married about a year, um, probably about a year out of college. And they left, um, flew across the ocean and they went to China. They're not there right now, so I can say that. And I felt really lost. There was so Mm. little material for parents out there that I just felt like when he went to summer camp, I got more material and more prep for his departure than I did when he was going across the ocean. And so I felt lost and a little bit um, fearful, not knowing what he was going to do or what he's going to experience or how I was going to feel with him so far away. And so I um, kind of scoured the Internet for materials and anything that would kind of bolster me and help me to um, feel better about my situation and just learn about what was going on. But I found very little. And so I decided uh, something needs to happen and so I decided that I needed to be the one to make it happen and I wrote a book for mothers since I'm a mother I wrote it specifically to mothers but I've had a lot of dads read it too and they they really like it it ministers to them as well
0: so I can relate to the process not from being a parent of sending kids overseas. I mean, certainly I'm a parent watching my daughter get married and move, you know, to another state, even thinking about my boys and what they're going to do when they graduate. You think about those kind of things, but I've, I've been on the other side of it where I'm getting ready to go as a missionary. And I've, you know, I had my mind on a lot of things, you know, there's a process that I went through, um, you know, of like, my wife and I praying about this, us talking to our kids, talking to our church, going through our training, you know, doing our, um, our pre-field visits and kind of, there's a, there's a long ramp up for us, but really honestly, if I look back on that time period, I was pretty much focused on how this move affected me and my immediate, my wife and my children. Mm -hmm. I didn't think very much at all about how it was affecting my extended family. Describe the process for you when your son comes to you and says, Hey, uh, this is what I'm thinking. You know, what, what kind of led up to that? Is that you'd been talking about missions in your home and what was that whole process like for you as a parent?
1: Um, yeah, so it wasn't a surprise, Scott. It was um, something that had been building. Even when my son was six years old, we had a family of missionaries living with us. And so he was fascinated about the idea of going across the ocean to tell people about Jesus. And so that kind of continued to be a theme through his whole childhood. And then as he got into high school, uh, my husband and I took the class perspectives with him, which exposed him even more to God's mission for um, reconciling the world back to himself. And he was, he was just smitten with the idea and um, just thought he understood what God's purpose was for him. And so because he understood that purpose and he felt like God was really calling him, he took a variety of summer uh, short-term mission trips. And then when he got in college, he led some of those short-term mission trips. And then he also went for an entire summer Um, abroad and felt very much like that was what he was to do. And so he finished up his college career and he found a wife who also loved missions and would be willing to leave her home and travel across the ocean. And so, uh, like I said, about a year after their marriage, they they headed out over the ocean and they made their home in a foreign land. That's kind of what precipitated it and how it came about.
0: So where was the like oh my moment <laughs> where where you realize, okay, it, it's going from theory to now it's hitting me emotionally. Yes.
1: It's going from theory to here. You know, I think that that part about oh he's very, very far away, I think that hit me yeah. after he'd been there for a while. So He and his wife um, left in January um, of the year that they that they were sent. And then we went and visited in May. And so I knew when he left that I was going to see him, see his home, see his new um, culture in just a few short months. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. when we came back from there and I knew it was going to be a very long time till I touched his face again. That's when the emotional burden just kind of came uh, yeah, down upon me. So that was hard.
0: And there's nothing really to prepare you for how that hits you. It's the first time you've ever gone through something like that. You know, what was that like when it hit you?
1: Yeah, so it was a little bit like, um, for those of us who have had college students, it's a little bit like dropping your kid off at college on steroids, you know, not your kid on steroids, but that experience on steroids. It's just you drop them off in a place that you're not familiar with. You're not quite sure if they can make it, if they understand how to live life as an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a um, very desperate kind of feeling of you don't have control anymore, Um, as if we've ever had control. And we really haven't. And it made me rely much more heavily on God's sovereignty and his provision for my child. Because Hmm. um, like when you drop your child off, even at summer camp, you're not there to be their um, guide and their leader. They have to make their own decisions. And so it takes a lot of trust in your child, but it takes even more trust in the God who loves your child more than you do. Hmm. And so it feels um, helpless and very almost sad, but it's the right thing um, and the right step is just unfamiliar.
0: Yeah. So you're, I'm sure now with your ministry, you're engaging with a lot of parents that are kind of going through something that you've gone through. What are what are right. some of the common fears and concerns that parents have as they send their kids off or watch their kids go off, maybe against their will?
1: Right. Um, so that would have been, it would have been a lot harder for us, my husband and I had it been against our will, but we are Christ followers, and we understood that God wants to draw this world back to Himself, and He's using our child as one of His agents, and so we're we're thrilled with that. But it doesn't mean it wasn't a hard sacrifice for. Um, Mm. Both him and us. And like you said, as the child, the child's not really thinking about the parents. They're going on their adventure. They're going towards what God is calling them to. And so it's normal and natural for them to be excited about this new journey. and. If you think back to yourself as a young adult, I don't really think you're thinking about your parents' feelings a lot. At least I wasn't thinking about my parents' feelings. And so So
0: I think about it more now, uh, but it didn't then. No, you
1: think about it more now because you've become (laughs) a parent. But yes, the parents, some of the fears, I think the number one fear for me was I had no knowledge or experience with what was going on. Yeah, I knew it in theory. But I didn't know exactly what he was doing every day. I didn't know how mm. he was traveling around. I didn't know if our technology would work. Probably my biggest fear, and and the one that I've heard reiterated over and over, is that what if something happens to my child and I can't get there? And so that's just uh, being so far away. It yeah. feels very, it feels very kind of helpless. But sometimes that helplessness is really helpful because it makes you realize that you've really never been in control of your child's life. And so we serve a God who loves our kids more than we love them. If I can't even fathom that, but it's true. Right. And we have to trust that that God is sovereign and he's writing the the story of our child's lives in the same way he wrote our story. And so the things that happened in our lives, hard, good, thrilling, exciting. Those are the things God used to write our story. And so if we step in a way that's not appropriate by saying, oh, I don't think you should go, or um, this is too scary for me, and I'm selfishly wanting to keep you close, then I think we're thwarting some of that story that God wants to write in your child's mm. life. And so mm-hmm. um, I think we have to put aside those normal uh, kind of selfish parental poles, because those probably aren't going to help our child thrive and flourish in their new home. And so we have to, um, sacrifice what we, uh, kind of naturally desire, especially as, as a mom, I think. And we have to decide what is God's will for my child not what's, what is my will for my child. And So I think that would be the number one thing is just being so far away. It's scary.
0: So much of our parenting, you know, when they're young is about protecting them and guiding them and leading them. And so, you know, we're, we're supposed to be thinking about those things, but then as they get older, our job is, it really changes dramatically where it goes from protecting them to to, to kind of equipping them and then sending them out and letting them, uh, you know, fo- learn to follow God on their own with us, of course, there to support and guide them. And what was so difficult is that that whole control thing that you just were, were describing of like, you know, I, I want to control and protect my kids from all the outside things that might hurt them. But it's an illusion, as you said, and I've got to mm-hmm. let them go and I've got to learn to trust the Lord. And nothing makes that happen more than setting them halfway across the world into a place where there's a spiritual attack going on. Often the governments don't want them there doing what they're doing. And you're like you said, there's just nothing we can do. We can't get there. And even if we were there, there's nothing we could do to help because we don't speak the language. So that's a really helpful thought process.
1: You said we couldn't get there. That that's not entirely true. You can get there. It took us almost two days to get where our son was. Um, (laughs) And you know a lot of traveling. And so if you really need to be there, we have the the opportunity to jump on an airplane and get there. It wouldn't be as quick, nothing's instant, um, but you do have the opportunity. It's not like you can't ever see them. You do have the opportunity to jump on an airplane and, and get there. Um, so that, you know, that is in some ways comforting, and in some ways not, but it's not like they're completely inaccessible. And with technology nowadays, sometimes you yeah. can actually feel like you're there um, when you're not, and that's comforting as well. But yeah, they're a long ways away. You can get there. It just takes a long time.
0: Well, you can get there. It doesn't mean you can do anything once you're there.
1: Doesn't mean you can do anything once. And
0: yeah, here our kids call us up. But we usually know how to help them do things they've never done before. But when they're right. over there, there's you know, like we don't know how to navigate their system. Generally, we don't know what to do. And so we really have to trust the Lord.
1: We do. And when you do get there, if you do get there, you often don't even know the culture or the language. And so you're almost helpless there as well.
0: Right. So 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 walk me through your book a little bit, because so, so clearly you're yeah. laying out some of these ideas to give it to give right. parents, especially moms, some tools in which to better interact and really instead of being a burden to their families, because honestly a parent back home that's constantly sad or is depressed or worried right. really is a burden on the ministry and keeps you from being able to go forward. And it end up may cause a family to come home when the parents are putting so much pressure. So what, what are the tools right. and tips you're giving in this book to help moms, especially be able to, to not just cope, but really be a support to their families as they go overseas?
1: Right. So I start off the book um, talking about the mission of God If you aren't a believer or if you're just a Christian who doesn't really understand what your purpose is in this world, it's going to be awfully Mm. hard to send your child across the ocean to extend God's invitation to another land because you don't yourself understand it. And so God's mission is to draw the whole world, reconcile the whole world back to himself. And so Mm. if you understand that it's not really your kids are leaving you. Your kids aren't leaving you. They're pursuing something, this glorious opportunity that God has put in front of them. And so if you view it, it's almost like you have to change your mind to view it in a different way. You could say, oh, no, they're leaving me. They don't love me anymore. Well, that's actually not true. They love Mm -hmm. God so much and they love you, too. But they love God so Mm -hmm. much they want to act upon that call that he's put on their lives and they want to go share Jesus with people who don't know him in other lands. And that's just such a glorious opportunity. So if we view it as a glorious opportunity, instead of a, um, kind of a, oh, woe is me. My family is no longer whole and intact together in the States or wherever you're from, you're going to view one negatively, but the other one's such a positive, fantastic, honoring opportunity that it's a much better mindset. So it's uh, I first start by walking through the mission of God and what that is. So if you understand the mission of God, it's a lot easier to release your child to that, knowing that God Mm. is always good. So I walk through that. And so sometimes you can believe something, but it's still very hard to get to your emotions to line up with it. And so I also talk about how to have filtered thinking so we can have even with our. Own emotions, we can have thinking that just kind of runs on default, and we can think the wrong story because we're not thinking through the filter of what God's word and ways are. We are thinking about what our emotions are saying and how we feel. And so I talk about filtered thinking versus or faulty thinking versus filtered thinking and how to teach yourself to recognize if you're thinking in a faulty way about your child's vocation. The vocation mm. would be something that you're, that God has given us to do. So your child's vocation as a goer is being a missionary. You need to learn to think as a parent correctly about your child's vocation. It's not about you as a parent. It's about God. It's not even about your child, but it's about God and it's about your child's obedience Hmm. to the mission of God. Hmm. So I talk about the mission of God. I talk about learning to think correctly, but then I also talk about the real hard stuff that grief is, you know, grief is a hard kind of, um, I call it the molasses river in my book. And so it just (laughs) takes a lot of slogging through um, that molasses river to get to a good place where you can think rightly and be excited mm-hmm. about your child's vocation doesn't mean you're not going to be sad. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have hard days. But it does mean that you can support your goer instead of dragging them down with your personal emotions. Um, and yeah. so I think that's probably the most helpful is learning to think rightly about God's call and about your child's vocation.
0: If I can just jump in there. I mean, that that is isn't. Yeah. That's a profound thought that we we have to do hard work to control our minds and to put our minds where they ought to be, and I, I find it. I'm, I'm preparing a, a sermon right now from First Peter chapter one about setting our minds fully on the hope uh yep. t- that is coming in the revelation of Jesus Christ and that that work uh, that that word there of, of of basically working hard laboring preparing ourselves it, it describes the fact that it's hard work to put our minds where they ought to be and so when we find our minds drifting off into like self-pity into worry mm-hmm. what what mm-hmm. a wh- how, how destructive that can be in our in our in our lives is so we've got to be to be proactive in gently reminding ourselves, no, this is the truth. This is what God's doing. This is what God has called me to do as part of this. And it, and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of intentionality. So I, I love that you're highlighting that. What, 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 else, what else do you recommend for, for parents in the book?
1: One reason it's helpful, not only for moms, but for dads is because I have a chapter. It's called A Woman in the Wild, probably my favorite chapter. And many men have read the book and commented on chapter 10, A Woman in the Hmm. Wild, because I wondered why it was so heavy and hard for me. The departure I had sent. Um, By that time, I had sent three of my kids off to college. I had one home and he was Mm -hmm. leaving um, for college that next fall. So that was kind of a double whammy. Oldest one Mm -hmm. is going across the ocean. Youngest one is leaving home. But I think what was really interesting looking, you know, hindsight is 2020. So looking from behind, I could see that there were layers of grief. There wasn't just, oh, I'm so Mm -hmm. sad because my son is far away. But there was that there was midlife. I was hitting midlife. So my body was changing. I was going through menopause, which I talk about. And I say in the book, like, Oh no, can we talk about this in a Christian book? Well, you can. And I did. Um, so better, not yes. only was it <laughs> midlife, it was menopause and my marriage was different. So there were three mm. things layered on top of one another, almost like I call it a dadwood yeah. sandwich because it wasn't only the grief from sending my child. It was all of these changes happening in my life, all at the same time, layered on top of one another. Right. So midlife right. was confusing for me. Menopause was kind of making me more emotional and reactive and just sad. And the the marriage relationship had changed. Our children were out of the house. We related to one another differently. And there were no little ears around listening to how we related to one another. So that contributed to maybe not keeping our cools at all times and and so just seeing that, oh, wow, it's not just I'm so sad that my son mm. is going across the ocean. I'm, I'm pleased with his decision, but I'm so sad. Um, it's mm-hmm. not just the sadness, but it was also those layers, those layers of grief yeah, um, and layers of adjustment, I think, is what I would call it is there was there was sadness, but it was layered atop uh, Physical changes, emotional changes, marital changes, all I was trying to navigate all of that at one time. And so in our yeah. culture, in in our evangelical kind of Christian culture, we often send our goers very soon after college. And so that's mm-hmm. the same time that women yeah. um, are going through all of those changes. And men are, are probably standing aside saying, what happened to my wife and why is she so wild? <laughs>
0: Oh, that, that, you know, that, that says a lot and uh, it's a great observation because we just don't think about those things. And then I don't know about you, but like when I'm, when I find myself responding in a way that I don't, Uh, want or expect, then I end up piling guilt upon myself or there's shame because I'm not responding in the way publicly that I thought I should be responding. And then those things all get messed up in that. And so it comes out in in very complicated feelings and emotions about something that you want to be happy about, right? So, so you, I I read a little blurb that you, you made a comment encouraging husbands to read the book simply because it would help them relate to their wives better from your experience, even just in your own marriage, but from those who you interacting with, how do husbands and wives tend to deal with this differently? And I realize we're speaking very generally here, but specifically from your experience.
1: Um, I did write a portion in my book about that, um, I wanted Help! I wanted someone to help me navigate these very confusing paths and differences in how I felt about myself and my identity and my family and my body and my emotions. I wanted help, and I didn't feel like my husband was very helpful. And I felt like he—I was trying to navigate all of these things, and he seemed pretty carefree. And, oh, let's go do this. We're now empty nostrils. Let's go travel. Let's go do this. And I didn't, I just kind of wanted to stay and try to figure out what was going on. Uh, And he was just uh, quietly kind of sorting things and putting them, you know, in the right place in his brain. He's more of an analytical thinker. And I wanted to understand what was going on. It wasn't that he didn't care and that he wasn't being helpful. It was that he was, he was processing in a different way. And I, and I have read that uh, men and women process grief and transitions differently and women Mm. who are verbal processors like i am they want to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about it and men would like Mm. to kind of think about it go do something else get on with at least that's how my husband was so he was kind of quietly sorting things in his brain it wasn't that he wasn't feeling them He wasn't acting on those feelings and he was actually trying to replace some of those feelings with activity. Mm. Grief for me was exhausting and it is grief, parents. It is grief because it's it's a surrendering of your heart. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it is grief Um, and grief for me. C.S. Lewis says no one something like no one told me about the absolute exhaustion of grief. I, Mm. I could barely do my normal routine and I had to get up and just do what I needed to do. I wasn't clinically depressed, but I was just really struggling with the grief of all the transitions in my life.
0: Yeah. And and that makes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense because in some way it is a death. Whereas you walk, you know, you walk out, into your neighborhood and you see, Hey, other moms are going to go visit their, their now adult children and they're getting together at Thanksgiving and you've got a gaping hole in your family where this Thanksgiving, my kids aren't going to be with me. And that's, that's hard. And yeah. and not only are they not going to be with me this Thanksgiving, but they will, probably won't be with me for the next several Thanksgivings. Right. And I'm not going to be the grandma that the kids run over every day after school. I'll be the grandma one day that mm-hmm. sees her kids once every four years and praise to God that they know me. Right, wow, and that's, a, that, that, that's, that's a hard thing to deal with. It was yes. a, It
1: was an extra heavy layer for grandmas out there. Let me talk to you. So when our granddaughter yeah. was born abroad... And we had to travel two days to see her beautiful little face. That was that was very hard. The, the arriving and seeing our first granddaughter was absolutely thrilling. We stayed in an air. They got out of the hospital. We stayed in an Airbnb with them close to the hospital. They had delivered in a Western hospital in a, a city probably up five, five hours by train away. And so we stayed with them for a week. They... And I spent all of that time with my brand new granddaughter, never been a grandparent before, absolutely just loved, loved, loved the experience on the sixth day when they got up, had to leave early to get their train, um, wrapped up their sweet little bundle and (laughs) I can barely talk about it still. And it's been, (laughs) it's been five years, um, wrapped her up, walked out the door, then that door clicked. I just... It just like my heart was ripped out. It was very hard to let her go. Knowing I wasn't going to see her for months and months or touch her for probably a year. So we did end up having a family wedding where they came back. And so I did see her and we did go again. Um, It's it's amazing how deep those feelings are that even this uh, this far away from it, it can still make me cry.
0: you're making me cry and I don't, I don't like that. So
1: (laughs) yeah, hang in there grandmas. Um, I have a whole section for you in the book and I talk about Mm. the whole books based on our family's hiking adventures. And so if you've ever gone on a long hiking trail, like the operation Appalachian trail, you receive a hiking name or a trail name. And so the chapter for grandmas is called, uh, grandma is my trail name and Yes, it was thrilling to become a grandma, but heart wrenching to leave that beautiful gift um, and know that I wasn't going to touch her or see her for many months. So hang in there, grandmas. You can do it. God is is enough. It's really hard, but there's still great, great joy in knowing that. God has given that gift and um, it's mm. part of you.
0: I remember several years ago uh, coming across a John Piper sermon on the Internet called Being a Mother is a Call to Suffering. <laughs> mm. And uh, um, what an ominous title. Right. Um, but as you're describing it, I mean, there is definitely a, a suffering that goes with motherhood and especially godly motherhood that raises their kids up to follow God mm-hmm. and not just smother them and keep them close to you. And, and then ended up ending up really ruining that kind of motherly love. I, I, keep, I even as I'm talking, I'm thinking about C.S. Lewis in the great divorce. I don't know if you've read that, that book yes, where I have. Um, yeah. one of, one, the, the mother who's always hovering and she can't come to Christ because she's, she's, so obsessed with her son that she is actually losing her son, and yeah. um, it's just a it's a good reminder. So as we wrap up this uh, this interview, if if you had if you're speaking through the through the the radio, or I don't know if anyone's listening to this on the radio, but through the <laughs> iPhone or radio, what is a radio, through, through is the radio? YouTube channel? <laughs> right. I know, right? If you're speaking to a mom who's listening, who who maybe is a young mom just starting to read their kids' mm. missionary biographies, yes. right? Or or maybe a mom who's watching her high school son or daughter go on their first youth group mission trip yeah. or or maybe it's someone who's they're seeing their kid going to college and having this heart that's just being pulled toward cross-cultural mi- uh, missions. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those moms now to help make the pathway uh, maybe not easier, but mm-hmm. clearer for them going forward?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'll make it clearer, but I do know I yearn for heaven <laughs> more now. Um, Mm. I yearn for heaven in a way that I didn't yearn before Mm. because I know that that will be a time where I won't have to separate from those I love. And because I yearn for heaven, I want other people to yearn for heaven. And my kids are offering that opportunity to Mm. other parents, other kids, other people that don't know Jesus. And so I think if, if you, mom and dad, If you will see this is such an honorable, fantastic opportunity for your son or daughter to not only have an adventure, but to have a a very divine and holy mission that they're going across the ocean, they're going next door, even if they're not goers across the ocean, maybe they're a church planner in another state, they have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus, so what we do in our lives is we focus so much on ourselves and our lives and our emotions when we really should be looking towards God and his gloriousness. And so our, our chief aim in life is to, you know, bring God glory with our lives and with what Mm. we do. And that is something that your kids are doing by pursuing their vocations as goers. So my advice would be to change your mindset about this is a sacrifice, which it is. It's a sacrifice and it's a, it's a peculiar sorrow because on one hand, you're so, you're so happy that your child has chosen this way. I hope you're so happy. Some people aren't so happy. You're so happy. I was so happy my child had chosen this, but on the other hand, it was not the dream I had for my family. Um, I think we have a God given desire to, to want to be close with our children and the physical distance makes that harder, not impossible, but harder. And so, yeah, I think that you just have to kind of meld uh, the idea of this is God's will. It's not about me. I want to make much of God. I don't know if that's clear, but I think you just have to think about your life in a different way focus less on yourself, focus more on God's mission.
0: Thank you. That's so good. So the book is Missionary Mama Survival Guide. Thank you so much, Tori. How can people find out more about your writing, your ministry? How can they find your book? Uh, Where can people find more resources on this?
1: Yeah, um, my book is on Amazon, so that's an easy place. And I also have a ministry called Parents of Goers, and it's just parentsofgoers.com. So if you go there, what I I created both in the book and on my website, what I wanted as a mom um, feeling kind of Mm -hmm. wobbly emotionally, not knowing what was really going on. Not only do I give you my journey um, in a way I think is is helpful, but in the back of the book, there are lots and lots of resources, not just resources about missions, but resources about traveling abroad, resources about learning language, resources about being a grandma Um, To uh, goers children. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably the most helpful part. Um, The things that I wanted, I put on my website. So there's resources on my website. There's also um, a variety of podcasts that I've produced uh, with parents telling about their journeys, but not only parents, I've also talked to mission leaders about support raising things that are kind of confusing Mm -hmm. to parents or, Mm -hmm. um, some words like why do they use this coded language, things like that. So (laughs) those are all on my website plus a blog and yeah, there's a variety of materials that I couldn't find anywhere else. And so if you'll go there, you will feel like, oh, finally someone understands me. So I would really encourage you to both buy the book, but go to the website as well. It's uh, Parents of Goers, www.parentsofgoers.com. Well,
0: thank you so much, Tori, for joining our show.
1: Yeah, thanks for it's having great me. Great to
0: have you. For more content, you can look up AB, uh, you can come to missionpodcast.com. Mission Podcast is a ministry of ABWE, and you can find out more information about ABWE by going to ABWE.org. And just a reminder if you enjoyed this content, please share it with others, especially something like this. A lot of moms or dads aren't out there scouring for podcast about this topic. So you may think of a mom or a dad or a grandparent that needs to hear this podcast. So please go ahead and share that with them. And then don't forget to go ahead and give us a five-star rating. We're so glad you could be here. Thank you so much for listening.